0: Chapter 5. We're going to be reading verses 16 through 18. Would you stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of the Word of God? Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you. Belong to Christ Jesus. Let us pray, Heavenly Father. We um, we want to live continuously in your presence and in your power in our lives. And yet, if we're honest, we would—most uh, of us would admit that it's only for moments at a time, and not really a majority of the time for most of us, that, um, that we really experience you in the way that you desire for us to. And I pray that today your church will be built, your people would grow into becoming more like Jesus as we examine your word. God, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. You don't practice what you preach. That's an accusation leveled not just at preachers, but anybody who says one says one thing and then does another, lays out a standard, and then lives not up to that standard or according to that standard. But it's really a rather interesting statement because, uh, <clears throat> honestly, I don't know of any preachers who say that they practice everything they preach. Anybody who's got any common sense or any amount of humility at all would say, every Sunday we preach things that uh, in our best efforts we don't attain to. And no matter what I preach on, I'm not going to ever say that I attain to that perfectly. But uh, especially today in the passage, the topic that we're working on, I want to say I'm not even a... um, Uh, a seasoned veteran in this. I'm not even coming close. I feel like I am a rookie at this topic, that I am uh, stumbling, that I am searching, that I am really trying uh, in some very limited or beginning ways um, to do what I feel like the Lord wants us to do. So as I preach this, as we talk about this subject that is practicing the presence of God in our life, I want you to understand that I'm not here saying that I've got this all together. It flows easily. If you go to church a certain amount of time or if you serve on church leadership a certain amount of time, that this is going to become easy for you because that's that's really not the case. Um, it, uh, it, it takes some real um, devotion and dedication to um, living in God's presence. We've been singing about God's presence. I don't know if you noticed that. From the very first song we sang, we said, I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus of Galilee. And everything, our prayers and our songs, up to, up to and including that last song about the Holy Spirit, we have been talking about God's presence. And it being with us, and it filling us, and it directing and guiding us. All of that music, all this service is going together in that conversation. But here's the thing. We, if we're honest, um, it should be easy to be aware of God's presence in church. But even then, we struggle. People unwrap their candy. A baby cries. Somebody has to go to the bathroom. This thing or that thing happens. And and, and even we start thinking about what happened this morning or what worries we have at home or what we're going to come home to. We have all these things that distract us and make it hard for us to focus on the presence of God. But yet, relatively speaking, it's easy to focus on God's presence when we're here in this place. I mean, come on. We're all here together, Christians. We are here for the purpose of worshiping God. But what about when you leave here Sunday and not just go out into town for Sunday lunch, but what about Monday morning? You know, when your boss starts chewing on you and starts saying this, you don't have a soundtrack in the back of your mind you know, with Jackson up here playing on the piano, don't you think you would react a little better if, if just all of a sudden you could hear that music and you would just put on a face and praise Jesus I'm being chewed out? It's okay, you know? I mean, we got it easy, so to speak, trying to focus on God's presence right here, even though, admittedly, I'm the world's worst at my mind drifting off and think, hearing one thing and I go in a different direction— but relatively speaking, it's, it's kind of easy here. But when we get out into the world, and, and just, and I'm not even saying world in the negative, bad, worldly sense, just wherever, away from a gathering of Christians, it gets harder to think about God's presence. And then, yet, we come to a passage like this. Let's go back to what it says in verse 16. This is the NLT translation here. Always be joyful. Other translations say rejoice in the Lord always. Verse 17, never stop praying. Other translations say pray without ceasing. Be thankful in all circumstances for this is God's will for you he, who belong to Christ Jesus. And these are just 3 bullet points in a list of commands that Paul is giving that goes before these commands and he keeps doing some others after these commands. And he's just do this, do this, do this. I <laughs> said so wait a minute. Always Be joyful, pray without ceasing, and be thankful in every circumstance I'm in. How do you do this? Any of you want to instruct us, help us? Can you share? Have you gained victory in this area of your life? I highlight this because it's not the only place, but it's kind of concentrated with three different things in a row. But there are several places where the Bible says, always do this. Do this all the time. Do this without ceasing. So if we here, if we can all admit, I'm going to say uh, we can probably all admit with me that sometimes we even, even in church, even with the most amazing pastor, sometimes you struggle <laughs> to pay attention, then maybe we can all admit that in the world, when we're away from church, it can be a struggle to rejoice always, to be thankful all the time, to be in prayer all the time. How do we do this? How do we Maintain, I mean, is God saying go sit on a mountain and be a monk and just do nothing but let this stuff constantly run through your mind? No, he never said that. In fact, he just a few verses earlier said, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn those who are lazy, okay? So you're not supposed to say, oh, I'm going to be a good Christian by forgetting everything else I do and not working or doing my responsibilities. We have a way, though, in our life of focusing on things when it is that big and vivid and important to us. Think about the major, major things in your life and I can almost guarantee that at some point you've had something that has so consumed you, that has so been with you, that no matter what else you do during the day, that thing is with you. Maybe it's ladies, your wedding day approaching. Yes, you still have to go to work, and you still have to do all the things, but in the back of your mind, it's the checklist of this, and the flowers, and the dresses, and the registering, and everything else. Maybe that's there. Maybe it's a a project that any of you have at work, and not just any ordinary project or job or thing, but this is the one that could make or break your company or your career, and, and whatever else you're doing in the back of your mind, you're always thinking about it, about how am I going to pull this together? What's, what's going to make it happen? Maybe it's, a, maybe it's a grief situation, a death or a divorce, and you go through this, and yes, you're still walking through life, but if you are really honest, for those first few days or weeks or months or however long, you can't even go a minute or two at a time without thinking of that thing of that loss of that disappointment and so we all understand that it is possible in our life to go through life to still eat to dress ourselves to do our responsibilities to rest, do all the things that we're supposed to do, and yet to kind of be so focused on or fixated on or dwelling on some certain things so much that even though we're doing everything else, we are constantly aware of that thing. The other way that we do that is in in a very negative sense is addiction, There's all sorts of addictions in this world, and some of them are chemical addictions, some of them are maybe addiction to certain risky behavior, gambling, or whatever else. But folks who are caught up in addiction, their idea, their thought process, whatever they're going through, they may have all sorts of other things going on in their life, but everything is getting to that next thing, to continuing that pattern of behavior that they have. And some people's life completely burns and flames out, but other people we call a functioning addict. That is, they can keep on doing everything else in their life and keep those plates spinning, but yet there's this thing in their life that that is really the the controlled direction of their life. It is dictating where they're going. I want to say that I believe that every addiction that we face in life that we deal with has to do with us reaching out for something that will fulfill us and finding a false alternative to God. Because I believe that every single one of us was designed by God in his nature to walk through life communing with him, being practicing his presence, walking with God just like Adam and Eve did in the garden, although we don't physically, we don't have him like right there the way they did, spiritually speaking, we know he's with us. Rather than trying to fulfill our lives, to bring meaning and purpose, to scratch that itch, to fill that emptiness or void in our life, instead of risky behavior, Instead of being intoxicated with substances, God says, be filled with me. Growing up in a Baptist church, I often heard that verse preached. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, drunkenness is uh, absolutely uh, always a negative thing in Scripture, but that wasn't really even the focus of that verse was on the drunkenness, the alcohol, the wine part of it. It was the being filled with Jesus part of it was what Paul was really getting, uh, trying to put forward. He said, in your life, I don't want you to be focused, fixated, filled with some other thing that's controlling you. I want you to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. So that God is constantly working through your life, driving the direction uh, and and, and everything that you do. How do we do this? How do we practice the presence of God? You've probably heard the people comment before, I don't want one of these doctors that's practicing medicine. I want one who knows what they're doing. Well, In a sense, when we say a doctor practices medicine, we mean they're active at it. We don't mean they're just trying to figure out how to do it. Hopefully, they already know what they're doing. But when we say practicing the presence of God in our life, it has both of those meanings. We're saying that we want to learn how to constantly live in his presence, not just as some theoretical thing, but as something that we do and we carry out in our life. So how do we do that? Number one, we need to be aware of God's presence. If I was to give you a theology quiz right now, I said take out a number two pencil, put away your hymn books, and, uh, you know, take this test right now, and you had to fill it in. Uh, If I asked you, uh, is God only in heaven or is he present everywhere? I think that most of you could get the correct answer. God is everywhere. And yet, even though that answer is at the back of our mind and we could pull it out for that quiz, most of us think about God being here when we're at church, but we don't think about God being with us at home or at school or at the ball field or at the factory or wherever we are. We have to get ourselves in this mindset of understanding that God is with us wherever we are. What did David say, the psalmist? He said, Where in the Psalms, he said, Where can I go from your presence? If I go down to the depths of the earth, you are there. If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go out to the seas, you are there. God, wherever I go, you are there. We have to keep in mind that God is there. And then, if we, number one, get that awareness, we need to behave accordingly. Live as if God is there. You know that most of the people that I've chewed out in my life, I might not have done it quite the same if I thought about God being right there in between us, beside me and beside them. I probably would have done that a little bit differently. Most of the dumb things that I've convinced myself, well, that's okay. I mean, really, there's not exactly a rule in the Bible about this. You know, I probably would not have done those things if in that moment if I'd been saying, God is right here. And if God is right here, then we can talk to him. Now, out loud or silent is going to depend on your circumstances, uh, you know, but guess what? You can be going down the road and nobody will think you're crazy. They'll just think you're jamming to your radio because that's what everybody does, right? You see them, and and they're not embarrassed. They're in their car. You look over, and they're, ooh, you know, and and you're like, wow, they are enjoying themselves on the way to work. I see it every day. Well, if they're not embarrassed to sing along with their top 40 hits, what about you simply talking to God? And I encourage you when you're by yourself to actually do it out loud. It just makes it real. We're probably more used to praying in silent, silent prayers than than praying out loud. I know I've met many, many Christians and maybe a lot of you or some of them who who will tell you that they pray every single day. But if you ask them to pray out loud, it's, uh, you know, um, I, I understand that because it's a little nerve wracking if it's not something you normally do. But, you know, I just find that praying out loud it just just makes it more real. But, but certainly there's lots of circumstances and situations where you don't pray out loud, okay? And that's fine, too. But if you keep in your mind that God is there, and just like that would be really, really weird. If you had somebody with you all day long and you never talked to them. I mean, that'd be strange. What if one day it was bring your kid to work day? And, and you brought little Johnny with you. But you completely ignored little Johnny all day long. And he was just walking right behind you. And, and you never even acknowledged him, introduced him to anybody, even acknowledged he was there. That'd be strange. I mean, we get offended. We read things into that, don't we? When people don't talk to us, we go, oh, I see how they are. You know, we start thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to get them back. They were petty. I'm going to be petty back to them. How does Jesus feel if he's with us all day and yet we kind of ignore him? But we talk to Jesus and we just try our best to hang out with him. The biblical word for that is abide. In John 15, Jesus says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, You can do nothing. And so abide or remain, the Bible uses those words, and it's what we would call hanging out or being with. Just be with Jesus. Do you know the Bible says that is why he called the apostles? I I wish I could remember the reference right now. But there's a verse in the Bible, and we might say, we might think that there would be a verse in the gospel that says, I appointed you disciples So you'd be really holy, righteous people. But there's actually a verse where Jesus says that it says that Jesus appointed the disciples. He chose them that they might be with him. God created us for relationship with him. He didn't create us to put a little something on our calendar or a reminder on our phone to say, well, I'm going to have some God time on Sundays and Wednesdays and then, you know, other little things special times, but the rest of this time is my time. God created us just like Adam and Eve in the garden. were are created for, with relationship with God that we are to have relationship with God every single day. We're aware of his presence, that he's with us always, and we actually act like he's there with us. And I would say this, start your day in this way. Years ago, um, some of you may know um, Adrian Rogers. Uh, he was the, the pastor of Bellevue Church in Memphis, probably one of the, the first mega churches or big churches uh, in, in this country there in Memphis. He had the sanctuary that held like nine or 10,000 people and they still had to have two or three services to fit everybody in. And so Adrian Rogers was this well-known preacher and I was at a preaching conference and he was one of the guests teaching uh, uh, you know, about these preachers, about preaching. But you know the best thing that I heard him say actually did not have to do with preaching, but it had to do with his every single morning time with God. And he and his wife had had devotions they would do together in the morning, um, but even before that, before the the devotion that he had with his wife, that first waking up in the morning, you know when it's where are you heading? either toward the coffee cup or the bathroom, okay, <laughs> or put out the dog, some of you. But that first getting up in the morning, he had this crazy little thing that went along with some stretches, and I wish I could remember it exactly, but he would get up out of the bed, and then he would say, God, I give everything to you today, and this was kind of his stretch, and then it would be like, I'm kind of paraphrasing because I don't remember exactly, but open, I open my heart to you God, help me to see everything that I need to see, what you're trying to show me. <clears throat> and he had this little routine of about four or five little stretching things that he would do to wake his body up. But basically, he began begin every single day talking to God. Did he have his massive three hours in the Word Right then and there. No, he, he got into the church office later on in the day and he worked on his sermons. But he began every single day simply getting up and saying, God, here I am. And it became a routine so that every morning he almost didn't even have to. Th- I mean, at first he had to think about it a lot to make himself get in that routine. But once he got in it, every day, God, here I am. God, I open myself up to you. God, help me to see And and these things that he was talking about, he made that the pattern of his life so that he would walk with Jesus. Was he perfect? No. None of us are, none of us will be. I'm going to tell you this week, (laughs) I was trying to do this. I have not made it through a day yet. I have not made it through a single day where I could say, I kept my mind on Jesus all day long. I mean, I'm bad at this. <laughs> I'm really bad. Y'all might not appreciate me as a pastor now that you know that. I don't know. But, you know, it's tough if we're not used to it. And I realized I'll, I'll get so far away and I'll, I'll come back to it. Oh, man. And sometimes it was I went a couple of minutes without being aware of God being with me, or sometimes I went 30 minutes or an hour without thinking about it. But I want to say this. Some of you may be like me in that you hate to do things you're bad at, okay? I, this is probably a, a prideful thing, I'm going to admit. I hate stuff I stink at, that I'm bad at. It just I don't want to do it. I like to do stuff I'm good at. I remember when I was a youth minister, uh, I, I was pretty good at most sports, and most a lot of churches that I had served either had a gym or they had a basketball goal out back. And, and in that day, several pounds ago, I was pretty good at basketball. And so the guys in my youth group we'd play, and I would almost always win. And I just enjoyed that. Uh, you know, uh, I'm sure it had it was nothing prideful, but I just enjoyed beating these kids at 21 or team games or whatever. And so. This one particular church where we had a gym and we played ball all the time, and these fellows, I think they kind of got tired of uh, youth minister winning everything, and they said, they said, Brother Tim, have you ever golfed? Golf? Nah, I haven't ever golfed. Why don't you come golf with us? Well, sure. I'm, I'm good at basketball and football and volleyball. I can do this golf thing, okay? <laughs> uh, I haven't gone again, okay? <laughs> it was horrible, I was thinking I'm going to get out there and do good, and I got so mad. I even, you know, see, not only not liking being bad, but then when you're like cheap and you don't like losing balls when they're going in the woods and the water and everything, I mean, it was the worst experience ever. I don't want to do golf, okay? But this is something that's worth doing even if you do it badly because you're not going to do it well unless you do it badly first. And you do it badly, and you do it badly, and you do it badly. But eventually, over time, as you train yourself and discipline yourself, and oh yes, those are terrible, awful, bad words in our world today, but guess what? The Bible says discipline yourself to be godly. Not in the sense of beat yourself up, but just structure your life so that you put reminders, so that you put habits and disciplines in place in your life to keep you on pace and on track. Some of you may say, I love to do my, my time with God at night. That's great. You don't have to do it in the morning, but start it in the morning with two minutes or 30 seconds or whatever, just starting that process of talking to God and being on pace with him. If you ever want to even get close, and the idea is thank God that our salvation is based on grace, not on perfection, right? Because we're never going to do this perfectly. But if you want to draw closer to God, coming to more, uh, uh, getting closer to that place where you are rejoicing, where you are praying without ceasing, where you are being grateful, to keep that mindset and that attitude, you have to abide, remain you have to hang out with Jesus. You have to remember that he's there and not ignore him, but actually act like he's there. And you do that from the very beginning of your day until that you lay down your head at night. And that's called practicing the presence of God. If you want to read it, there's a monk named Brother Lawrence. He lived about 400 years ago. While he lived, he hardly knew anybody. But he he wrote some letters to some friends, and it's put together in a tiny little book that might cost you two bucks, or you can download it for free off the internet. But he wrote some letters to some friends, and they've been entitled, Practicing the Presence of God. And those letters went on to influence a great part of the Christian world, because he described how simply living with others, doing the dishes, cleaning up. He also served as a soldier, and he did some other things in his life. But he learned how to just live as every moment as if God was there. And God was there. And that changed his life. And if you and I learn to live every moment in that way, it'll change our lives as well. So I encourage you, even though you're probably going to do really, really bad Some of you will do a lot better than me, I'm sure, but it'll still be bad. But work on it and work on it and work on it until that becomes a natural part of your life. Pray with me today. Father, we know that you're present right now. We know that you're here. We don't have a hard time thinking about the fact that you're here because we're here in this place with other Christians who are all here to worship you in a a building, and a property that's been dedicated to worshiping you. But God, we need to realize that your word says the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. We need to realize that Jesus chose his followers to be with them just as Adam and Eve from the very beginning walked with you in the garden. Lord, you created us for relationship with you. And the idea that you have for us is not that we become more religious people, more moral people, more rule-following people, God, but that we become more Jesus people, that we are just with you in communication with you so much that just like the the other human beings that we hang out in life, we end up picking up their, uh, their ways. God, that we were with you so much that we would pick up your ways. And as we remain in you, that your spirit just naturally produces these things in our life that we could never produce on our own. Father, help us to practice your presence. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.